Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and we are here in Kansas City at the Nasky Family Engagement Summit, where people have come here from all over the country to really kind of talk about um, how parents engage in the academic lives of our children. And I've had the pleasure um, over the last few days to be with some of my long, long time. I shouldn't say long twice, right? I know, that's right. Yeah, just my, my, my good friends for a long time um, in the fatherhood space, pioneers in the space, um, guys that uh, have inspired me to do what I do um, con- to, uh, to continue um, to um, challenge me to do more. Um, to be more committed, to stick with this work, um, even when no one else is, is um, cheering you or when anyone else is supporting you, that the work that we do, if we just impact one child, is worth everything that we do. That's right. And today, um, we're going to be talking to two representatives from Watch Dogs, but we're going to start with my good friend, Eric Snow, um, who's been around for, I ain't even going to say how long you're going to be around, <laughs> Eric. Tell people about yourself that they, don't, that they may not, tell things, Tell people things about you that they may not know about you. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, my first act in my life, my freshman life, was 19 years in telephone directory publishing. And wow. so for anybody under the age of 30, <clears throat> a telephone directory is when we <laughs> used to print out part of the Internet and bring it to your door once a year. But uh, when, I, when I left that, well, when I was in the middle of that, we started a program in my kids' school in 1998 uh, and called Watchdogs. And it was DOGS, Dads of Georgia Students. And we did that in really response to the Jonesboro shooting in March of that year. And we just wanted to move toward the school in a positive way. Mm-hmm. We didn't think the school was deficit in any way. We weren't trying to come in and fix anything. We just, everybody was hurting. It was the year before Columbine and it was a tragic middle school shooting perpetrated by uh, uh, 11 and 13 year old boys, which mm-hmm. was doubly egregious to think that these young men could come up with something so diabolical, much less carry it out. And, um, you know, that was a passion that we did. We started that, and other schools followed, bringing dads. We figured out quickly, you call it watchdogs. Dads are great students. And other schools in the Springdale, Arkansas area started it, and it jumped the border and realized we'd sort of accidentally hit on something that the educators wanted. So, you know, we kept that thing going, and then whenever I sold my company in 2007, I came on with watchdogs full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, never expected to be doing it 15 mm-hmm. years later. But uh, that's what we're doing. And now it's, it's interesting because my kids who were kindergarten and third grade when we started are 31 and 34. Mm-hmm. And I have two granddaughters and another grandchild on the way. And I'm seeing really the need is still there. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it's not anything except that um, the fathers need to be involved in school. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the schools don't want them there. And it's not that the fathers don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to change that culture where it's seen as normal right. and, and, and expectation and then nothing, you know, we, we hope the day we used to say that we hope the day will come where the program isn't even necessary, but we realize now that <clears throat> that's not going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're always going to keep flying that banner. We're always going to keep <clears throat> challenging dads, uh, equipping schools, training them how to bring these guys in, asking them specifically. And, uh, you know, I realize now being at this conference and 
2023 that we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you think about it, I'm glad that you said that, you know, I always often tell this story about how um, sometimes our, um, sometimes we don't find our calling and purpose, our calling and purpose finds us. Yes. And then one morning you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like this is a thing. Right. Like, and this is going to be a thing for a really long line, a really long time. And then the other thing that you said was about, because I used to always say, yeah, I want to work myself out of a job. And then I realized, no, they're going to always be new parents. They're going to always be new people in the system. There's always going to be new systems. There's always going to be a need to educate and make people aware about their importance. As you have um, done this work uh, with Watchdogs, what is the most enjoyable piece of this work for you? The people. Uh, mm -hmm. The people and, and also addressing the misconceptions, and I sort of touched on it earlier. A school can look at the people that volunteer in their school, mm -hmm. and they can, they can ask parents to come, and they can look out in the audience and, and see the same 12 tired moms that come mm -hmm. in and do all the work. And these moms have someplace else that they could be too. They've mm -hmm. just made the decision to come. So you can look at that and say, well, either the dads don't want to be here, uh, which is not true, or the school is not making the effort, and they're making them feel unwelcome in some way, and they don't want the dads there, which is not true. And mm -hmm. so the enjoyable part is to say the dads do want to be there. Mm -hmm. And the enjoyable part is that the schools do want you there. And if we can provide that conduit uh, to connect those things mm -hmm. where we provide them a way for the schools to bring them in, mm -hmm. uh, structured, so that the dads know that they've got something to do and it's going to be active. It's mm -hmm. not going to be sitting in the office all day or sitting in the library all day. They're really going to be moving through the school. That's the enjoyable part. And then, then to see... 25 years later, after we started this, some of these dads, we've had situations just came up this week where he was a student uh, in, mm -hmm. in school, in mm -hmm. the watchdog school, and he's starting one in his program, a program in his kid's school now. Wow. Yeah. What, what has been the most frustrating? Breaking down the old stereotypes. Wow. And, you know, we touched on this the other day. You, you spoke to it very well in the panel discussion that we had, is that a lot of times it's still seen as... What's wrong with that guy that would want to come in and, and be around kids all day? Mm. And that just baffles me. And I don't really get it. And it, it baffles most of the men that, you know, feel that impression coming their way or being in, uh, put on them. And it's, why wouldn't you? You know, you're their parent or you're their grandparent. And, and I think that it's, and there's always a f just a few people that feel that way, but they can sort of prey on that fear because when you're seeing something that's not normal, you're seeing a guy come in and, you know, spend time in his child's classroom, spend time in the library, spend time in the hallways, you know, always in the presence of an educator. But, you know, you realize that same joy is there for him as it would be for the mother to come and do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we may need a different invitation to come and do that. And we may need to have, you know, we, we need things to be a little more concrete, typically. Like, what am I going to do? I'll do whatever you need me to do, but just give me something to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's still the frustration is that some of those old thoughts and those old ideas that are wrong are, are still present that we have to sort of address. Okay. You know, being around as long as you have, I'm glad you said 25 because I'm only, I'm easing up on 20. And so, and then um, Mike is over 20 and Keith has been involved for a little bit and people yeah. like Joe Jones and Ron Terzino and um, Pat Littlejohn and other pioneers around the country who have organizations that's been around for over 20 years. Yeah. I often like to ask them, based on where you started and where you are now, because the newer people who are coming into the space, um, to me, don't seem like they're attached to the history of the work. 
and they believe and think and act sometimes like this work is just beginning and this work is not just beginning. And I don't think that we, the ones that have been around for as long as we have, do the best job in pushing where we've come from and where we are. That it took a lot of work to get to the space where the folks who are coming into the space now have the ability to do this work with ease. Based on that time span for you, what has changed? You're standing on the shoulders of giants, really, whenever you're doing this work. And even whenever we started the Watch Dogs program, we, without realizing it, we, we knew that there were not organizations necessarily that were set up to increase you know, male engagement. We didn't even have that word in our lexicon. Mm-hmm. We were doing it for our school. And it was such an organic growth because the schools were the one that told us this is a need by their actions, that they mm-hmm. would adopt it and bring it on. Um, what I am seeing is that, yes, people kind of come into a situation. Anytime you're fighting <clears throat> for social change, you kind of come in and address the situation as you see it, not knowing what it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that is voting rights or civil rights or um, anything like that, uh, that, that you, you kind of come in and go, well, it's still not right. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. No, you're right, but you need to know what's happened up until this point to really acknowledge how far it's come. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can see the changes because even in my own son, and it's not just because the way my wife and I raised him, but he is such a different dad than my dad was. Mm-hmm. My dad was a great dad, but he, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't as involved in the day-to-day rearing that, and, and my mom didn't work full-time outside of the home, and that's changed in most households. Mm-hmm. And so now you have two families, you know, two parents working outside the home, and, and, and you can still have a situation where mom's still carrying most of the load, but, you know, that's not what I see. I see the same thing in my son and my son-in-law, and, you know, these guys are involved in child rearing, and it's just normal, but they can still look around and go, oh, there's, you know, we kind of feel like we're getting pushed back in this area, or mm-hmm. we're kind of not acknowledged in the same way, or... You know, so I, I can get that. And, and it's always like, you know, I, I told a group of guys a couple of weeks ago at a launch event, I said, you're sitting in these seats because of the work that was done before you for the men that came mm-hmm. in, the, the couple of million men that came in and volunteered through this program. You're going to be inspiring the same guys to do that. And it's by your actions because words are one thing. But when you get up out of your chair and go to do something, mm-hmm. that's the change. Mm-hmm. That's what you're initiating by coming in here and doing this work, being seen inspiring other guys to do that. So I think it is important that we continue to remind the younger generation uh, that, you know, there's all this work went on before, let them Mm -hmm. understand the history of it, because that puts them in it. And they realize that the work isn't done yet, and it's going to be more to come after you. And you Mm -hmm. owe a debt of gratitude to people that you have never met, and that people's lives will be changed that you'll never know by what you do today. Absolutely. And, you know, and so the other thing, too, is that, you know, I think that um, folks that are walking into the field don't understand the depth and the broadness of the work itself. So a lot of folks come in because they got an issue with child support or they want to help fathers beat the system or they want to you know, have conversations about mental health and feelings right. and those things. And I think that we need to do a better job at speaking about the expansive nature of responsible fatherhood work, that it's not just in that space, that there are all these other factors out there that has an impact and have the same biases that we need to fight through in order for fathers to have like true equal footing, right? And so we find ourselves in the education space, and so let's stick there for a moment, because um, one would say, 
you working with fathers. Why are you in the schools? Like, why are you in the education space? What does working with fathers have to do with schools? Well, and it's just the way that we started the program. And the idea was because it was a, a, a school shooting on the other side of the state, we just felt like that we had a role to come in to maybe comfort the students and that you'd look around and all the volunteers were, were wives, our wives. And, and, and even in the school itself, there was really only one man in that school and that was the principal. And it wasn't that we felt like men could come in and, and provide some sort of security that they needed to be done. It was a matter of, well, let's get the whole family there. Let's, let's, they'll feel better if there's moms and dads there and they understand that, you know, the grownups are still in charge of the school and it's still a safe and secure place and we love you and we're going to be here. And it's like, you know, coming together to grieve after a tragedy. And that's really what happened. It was the beautiful thing about it is, is that we didn't sit down around a, a board table in a boardroom somewhere and draw up this design to create a program that would cut across, you know, et ethnic and geographical lines and be able to work as well in Washington state as it does in Texas or in California as it does in Virginia. It literally grew organic. What we had to do was <clears throat> sort of just harness it, structure it, and then go out and let other schools know not what they should be doing, but what these other schools were already doing. And mm -hmm. so that's how we ended up in school. Then as we kind of matured as an organization, we realized family and community engagement was a thing. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And, oh, people are already talking about this. And mm -hmm. there's a reason in all those things that we would educate ourselves on. Why? What are the outcomes of that? Mm -hmm. Why does it make schools, you know, be, potentially be able to work better and operate better and mm -hmm. for the school to message to the parents and for the parents to come in and understand what's actually going on in school. Mm -hmm. And then when they have to deal with one of the educators, it's not naturally adversarial, mm -hmm. meaning that they, you know, they feel out of place and, you know, you're telling me something to my child I don't want to hear. And, you know, you put a parent in school all day, especially a dad, he walks in and sees the energy that it takes for a teacher to manage 25 personalities. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they all have what they want right then. And, you know, he'll walk out of there going, I can help you with mine, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I can help you with this one. <laughs> and so that's what you're really wanting to do. And, and that's where the education piece comes from because you're your child's first teacher. Mm -hmm. And then at some point they're going to leave your ability. And you're always going to be able to teach them. And I'm saying like, you're teaching them their ABCs, you're teaching them how to tie their shoes, you're teaching them some of the, you know, their colors and their break. And, and you can help them with their homework and stuff till they get into about middle school. But then their teachers for the high school and for college and maybe even professional school, they're going to have to, they're going to have to, you're going to have to trust them to them. And those kids are going to have to realize that they are a continuation of you. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to allow them to teach them and, and, and allow coaches to coach them and allow other mentors and people to come into their lives and, mm -hmm. and then play that role as well to go forward. And so, you know, all that's in hindsight. I mean, it's not that we sit down and design that. It's like we just look back and go, this is how this is working. Mm -hmm. This is what these guys can do. It's just finishing that piece of puzzle. And that's why family engagement it's so important is because it's truly making the school more like mm -hmm. a family. Yeah. You know, and then the research in that, the research started speaking to us, right? And yes. it started telling us as folks were beginning to research and look at the impact that fathers were having on their children in the academic space. And we began to learn that when fathers were actively and healthily, if that's a word, healthily, right? Sure <laughs> involved in the lives of their children, that their children fared better in school. They had higher self-esteem. Their truant, their um, absenteeism was down. Um, discipline and self-esteem was up. They scored more A's on their, on their, on the class. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, what is this about? 
And I remember when we started our Real Dads Read program, one of the things that struck me because we were beginning to get pulled into the education system only because we started thinking that, wow, it would be really cool to put books in barbershops and encourage fathers who were bringing children into the bar shop to read with them while we were there. We thought it was a great idea. And all of a sudden, Georgia State University is looking at us and saying, hey, you guys can have an impact, you know, on proficiencies um, in the school system. We're like, well, what are you talking about? And then as we sat down and talked about it, we was like, well, you know, if we know that 70 to 80 percent of low-income families, the children of low-income families are not passing the fifth grade proficiency test, Yet the research says that when fathers are involved, they do so much better in school, then why aren't we looking at fathers as a solution for third grade proficiency? And I said fifth, I meant third. Third grade proficiency. Right. Why aren't we looking at fathers to Great bring question. them in to do that? To, the research says this makes sense, right? Yes, and absolutely. so then you find yourself now, I'm not just a cute little barbershop book thing. Now I'm actually adding to a narrative that allows the school to tackle a problem that they're dealing with. When you were dealing with watchdogs, did you see any of that where something popped up and you was like, whoa, this is something we really need to dig into? Well, yes. And we started educating ourselves and seeing some of the same studies that pointed to family and community engagement, specifically male engagement. And, you know, the first thing I did was sort of look back on my life and say, well, is that consistent with my experiences? Mm. And I think somebody could convincingly make the case as imperfect of a father as I have been. And there are no perfect fathers. There are just fathers that don't quit and they keep trying and keep moving toward their kids and moving toward their families in loving ways and uh, doing the things that dads do. But even though you can make the case that I've always been in my kids' life, sometimes too much in their life, they might tell you now, at 31 and 34, I would see the way that they would respond to other adult males in their lives. And these were certainly men that, that had exhibited the same sort of values that they had seen me exhibit. They would be the fathers of some of their friends. They would be the male teachers that they might have in high school. They would certainly be their coaches. And I would notice that it was different. And they would respond, my son and my daughter would respond to these men in different ways. And I would think there is something unique there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm still, I mean, even though I've read a lot of the studies and I, and I get it, I understand it, there is something that's almost inevitable that you really can't put into words on why you respond that way. Um, but they do, the kids do, they'll listen. Maybe it's old stereotypes. Maybe it's that to a little child, a man is much bigger and seems a little scarier mm-hmm. if he doesn't know him. And then, mm-hmm. you know, moms seem more welcoming and will talk in different voices, you know, and they see a, a man that's not their father, but then all of a sudden he's sitting in a chair reading a book to him. And that's something familiar and comforting and they're drawn toward that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's them wanting to, to perform in a way so that they're going to work harder to read or they're going to, you know, they're going to want to, uh, to, to be successful in that way. But there's no question. The studies are absolutely uh, definitive. It, it makes a difference. And, you know, it's empowering for me to be able to, if I, you know, I, t- I tell a guy, you know, if, if you go into school and you're a part of that process and you understand what that teacher's going through, if at some point in the third or fourth grade, your teacher tells you at the parent-teacher meeting, which you should be going to now, right. by the way, <laughs> that your child's not reading on grade level, it's empowering to know you have a role in that. Yes. There's something you can do. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. It, it's, it, and these things happen. You're constantly having to step up and, and to do different things and to, to change your strategies and stuff. But, you know, I think that's the thing, the message, too, for the men is that you have a role in this and it's, it's easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't have to have a master's degree mm-hmm. to help your child learn good habits. Mm-hmm. 
for studying and for school and to respect those teachers. Absolutely. And to, 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 to work hard as they can do and be the best thing that they can be. Mm-hmm. That's, the key. That's the message. Yeah. yeah, one of these days I'm going to bring you back on because I want to have this conversation about organizational um, sustainability, which is right. a whole other conversation yes, about the field, right? But I want to stick in this space. Okay. And where I want to stick in this space is that you and I and others are on this side of the fence where we're looking at the end game, right? We're looking at... How are we going to bring in this new blood? How are we going to bring in people that's going to have the same passion for the work that I'm doing? And how are they going to carry it forward? And we're seeking. We're seeking those yes. folks to come in to do that space. Like for you, as you kind of think about it, and it's like, I want to go, but I can't go. I, it's like, I love my kids. I think my kids are responsible, but I don't know if I'm ready to leave my kids in the house by themselves, right? right. And so okay. that's kind of where me and my wife are with our 14 <clears throat> and 16-year-old um, yeah. children that we have boys <laughs> in our house. It's like, one of them I could trust, but the other one I'm having problems <laughs> with, and two of them together, I'm just not sure, right? And so, but what I've been kind of thinking about in my own space is, like, what's next? Like, what are the breadcrumbs that I want to lay so that someone can follow to continue this work and don't feel like they got to start back from scratch because they believe I never completed the work. So as you kind of think about that for watchdogs, what do you see in the future and what are you looking to see and how do you see watchdogs expanding? Well, having been in, in the private sector for 19 years, and I'm, you know, in, before I started doing this work uh, full time, I, I realized early on that the hardest thing to do as a founder is to pass it on and to let go. Mm-hmm. And you do develop blind spots. Uh, we did it this way because that's the way we do it. It's always been done that way. It's that old adage of, you know, we just do it that way because that's the way it's always been done. The hardest thing to do is to let go. And uh, last year, um, I came across a, a guy named uh, Jim Walters out of Austin, Texas, and he had been a watchdog volunteer. Uh, for 16 years and had run programs and engaged men and was understood how it worked, was very involved in his kids' school. And these guys will just present themselves. He had the same passion of, you know, men like you and, and, and myself and, and other men we've run across in the country. And it make, when you see it enough, it be, it's real obvious to you when you run across somebody that's really authentic like that. And he was a successful businessman. He was a videographer and still is. But you know, uh, I passed the program off with him, and that's why I'm here is for that continuity. Okay. But I don't want him to – he's going to do what he wants to do, but I, my desire is not for him to do it exactly the way that we've done mm-hmm. it. He needs to come and make up his own mind about things and see, you know, he's 15 years younger than I am, mm-hmm. which is of the same age that it was when I, you know, came back into the Watchdogs thing full time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's going to be things that he's he changes as far as the way we message to people. Not necessarily the message because he's coming here and talking to men like you and Mike, Mike, Mike Hall and um, Keith Shoemaker and, and others. And, you know, he, he gets it. He's seeing, the, he's seeing some of the differences in the way that we approach things and our beliefs and what our experiences have taught us. Mm-hmm. But he's also seeing just that love and that support and that, that common goals that we those common goals that we have. And so that's it. You have to be willing to let go. And, and especially when you're doing work that has bigger uh, implications and it's not a matter of just I'm trying to serve a customer so that I can grow my business and make a buck it's Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to initiate social change absolutely so that we can change preconceived ideas that are harmful Mm -hmm. so that we can develop better and more uh, unifying way in society and then we'll make those generational changes. So to your point, you know, 20 years from now, the people that are experiencing what we tried to accomplish 
and still don't think the work is done, they won't even know what it took to get us to that point, but that's the way it is. Hopefully it'll just go on and on and on to the point that, you know, we represent uh, moms and dads, and they're both seen as equal parenting partners. And the guys not just realize that they have a right to be involved in their child's life, but there's an expectation that they will be involved in their child's life. Absolutely. And a responsibility to be involved in their child's life. And, and that people are, if, are they're blocking that from happening. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that on a different podcast because those things do happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That those people um, are held accountable or at least uh, called out yeah. on the fact of, you know, your preconceived ideas and prejudice against fathers are unwarranted and they're harmful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they contaminate generationally because the kids see your uh, feelings about dads being involved in things that you don't think they should be involved in for whatever reasons you think that and for those people that, you know, mm-hmm. you know what we're talking about. Um, those are the changes we want to make, you know, so yeah. that it's, uh, the dads are eager to be in, you know, the, 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 the moms aren't volunteering because they've got more time. They're not right. volunteering because they love their kids more. Right. It's just a cultural thing that we're changing about schools and the expectations on both parties. Mm. Eric, well, thank you so much. I thank you. I appreciate all that you are, all that you've brought to the space. Um, all that you continue to bring to the space. Um, you know, I watch you closely. I've always watched, there are several people that I've always watched closely uh, because one of the things that I've, you know, I came to the epiphany long time ago that I had to come to that. I had to come to that, which is for the social work we do and for the good of what we do, we still have to operate a business that allows right. us to be able to yeah. scale and do this work in a way that allows that allows it to be long-term, right, and, and, and deeply impactful. And that's a space that I'm locked up in now as well. It's not just the hearts that I want into the space that's going to allow them to be passionate about the work, but it's the skill set and the brains I need in the space too to be right. on the back end and make sure that the hearts and the passions ain't spending all the money and then we turn around and we can't make payroll. So, right? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> well, let me just say this, Ken. You said some very nice things uh, about the Watchdogs organization and about me personally. And I just want you to know that, you know, I have always looked at you as out in front of this work that we're doing. And when I started going to conferences, I can't tell you which conference it was, but I still remember the incident when you recognized me and knew me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he, he knows who I am. And, and you've, you've inspired me and many, many other men to, to be bold in your beliefs mm-hmm. and to be clear in what you believe and be able to articulate why you believe that. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to do that and make sure that I always take time to pause and reevaluate myself. And you're very thoughtful, uh, but you're very passionate about what you do. And that has inspired me and a lot of other men. So thank you. Uh, for just being such a gracious leader and, and, and the man that you are. So thank, thank you for that. Appreciate you. On the other side of this, we're going to bring in Jim Waiters, right? That's Walters. Walters. We're going to bring in Jim Walters. He is uh, he's that, we, we call him new, new, guy in, new, <laughs> new Guy Energy. He about right. ready to bring in the New Guy Energy to um, Watch Dogs, and I want to talk to him about how he came through this path and how he ended up being here and how he sees his space and what he's even learned about being here, being yeah. amongst us and being amongst the folks that he's seen. You'll enjoy it. He's a cool dude. Absolutely. And so you're listening to I Am Dad podcast, my host and my friend, Eric Snow, visionary, you know, founder, all great things to the responsible fatherhood field, but more and uh, more specifically, um, the engineer, lead engineer um, of Watchdogs. And so see you on the other side. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.